0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, Stock market is obviously one of those things that we talk on a regular basis on this show. Obviously, on occasion, we talk things like hurricanes and politics, because they do affect the stock market, sometimes both in the short term and as far as you start seeing trends go. So um, markets have been playing with all-time highs on a pretty consistent basis in the year 2017, and that's a good thing. It is a situation where it's created a lot of wealth, but the question is the Federal Reserve and their role in creating all this wealth, and how is it going to play out in the coming days, weeks, months, years, if the Federal Reserve starts going back to where they used to be, more of a consensus world of higher rates, higher borrowing costs, uh, fighting inflation. I know that my wealth has inflated in the last eight years aggressively, Um How do they stop me from going out and consuming resources uh, like vacation time and vacation hotels and uh, getting one of the hundred seats at a restaurant that night? Uh, That's inflation when, you know, there's competition for resources. It can become problematic. I could tell you when I moved to the Bay Area 17, 18 years ago. Um, I came in the golden age, the very first .dot com era, and you know the internet was just really starting to figure itself out. You went from using personal digitis- digital assistance like put the Palm Pilot um, that had no phone, but it had some functions of like a uh, a phone. So it had contacts, it had restaurant reviews, but you had to plug it into your computer. So we weren't quite in that bridge and. It was a golden age because a lot of stuff was happening fast, uh, too fast to predict. So to be clear right now, the market is not negative, which is saying something as major indices trade at near or in record highs in front of a very important Fed Open Market Committee meeting on Wednesday. On top of it, you get Donald Trump at the UN slated to speak today. Uh, speaking basically right now. Uh, so it's seven oh nine Pacific time, so ten oh nine Eastern. And the markets will react to it. He's talking about spending in the United States and unemployment in the United States and how the great the economy is since he's taken office. Um so you can turn that on for what that's worth and kinda like you know, look at the stock market at the same time and see how they hacked. C N B C does a nice job of kinda interlaying those two. So there was a, another stab at trying to propose an Obamacare replacement pushed through last night on the Senate. The Senate's GOP thinking on tax reform might not be as overarching as some proponents would like. Better expected, than, uh, better expected earnings results out of AutoZone, Post Holdings, and Bob Evans uh, all in the news today. Post Holdings is trying to acquire Bob Evans is probably the, you know, the story there. Housing starts for the month of August, declined eight-tenths of a percent. This is an interesting piece of financial data. Housing starts, because the housing market has been a big plus for the U.S. economy in the last eight years, uh, six years in particular. The auto market has as well, and a lot of people think they're both starting to hit peaks. Historically, it does happen, ladies and gentlemen. you going to take a look at Zillow and take a look at your home price, and look how it kind of like fluctuated. Um, back in 2006, 2007, 2008. And you're like, I wish I would have bought a house then. And you probably look at home prices now and go, I don't know. Maybe I should wait. So the strength in permits inside the housing starts was owed to multifamily permits. Single-family permits declined 1.5%. Single-family permits are, to me, a healthier indicator because multifamily is, uh, let's find places for uh, uh young people, millennials, to go by. Whereas the single family, I think we all know it's kind of had a great run. Places where you're close to schools, places where you can you know, put three, four kids, um, good neighborhoods, close to work kind of situations. So single family starts um, helped offset a six and a half percent decline in multi-unit starts um, in the past. So Building permits jumped 5.7%. Now, that's nice. That's a good piece of economic data. In large part, we're in the summer months. Um, we're heading towards the fall, right, when this data was announced for a month of August. And building permits, you know, when you have a permit, you go to City Hall, do and you get that permit, and it takes about three to six months for that permit to actually go to work. And by go to work, I mean by hiring people to make construction and to build homes and to buy the hammers and to buy the wood and to buy the nails, to fire up the factories, to cut the wood, to you know, uh, mill the, 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 ha- the nails and the hammers. So you get the idea. Economic, economic activity tied towards housing is coming because that's a pretty good number. Um, there was also a piece of data out there today tied towards the hurricanes. And it's tied towards housing. The pace of single family starts isn't quick enough to alleviate the supply pressures in the housing market that are crimping affordability for prospective home buyers or homeowners, uh, both. That isn't expected to improve next month or the month after when we're starting to replace the impact of Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma. And if you take a look right now, there's another big old hurricane bearing down. Uh, Maria, Maria. Not going to go into my West Side story. Not going to do it, but Hurricane Maria is a Category 5 hurricane that is probably going to knock over some houses and or flood and do some damages. Um, import prices increased six-tenths of a percent. That's the largest increase since January. I left import prices up 2.1% per year. So things that we're importing, we're spending a moderate amount of inflation on inflation tends to run two to four percent and when you're at two point one percent it's not too hot it's not too cold um that's on the colder side and if we were to dip to one one a half a percent then you start going uh-oh maybe it's deflation and you kind of want everyone to have a little bit of inflation in large part if you're paying for something a little bit more then you're more likely to um uh, the people who are producing it can you know pay their employees and not fire them their employees are able to buy a house their employees are able to go on vacation so but if it gets too hot then you can't afford it and you're like no 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 I don't want you know something that's 10% more than it was last year I'll take 2%, 2%s fair but 10%s too expensive um so that car you know if it goes up 10% maybe it prices people out and then suddenly people get laid off so you get the idea that you want some inflation but not a lot of inflation second quarter current account deficit in the United States hit $123 billion. Whew. We are bringing in a lot more than we're sending out. So when you start looking at NAFTA and you start looking at free trade and world trade, where do you want that number to be? How much upside down do you want the United States to be? I can tell you that me personally, I consume a lot of things that are made overseas, like Nikes, like televisions, like iPhones, um... And I'm okay understanding that we have big trade imbalances because we are the world's shopper, so to speak. Anyhow and anyway, you can find me online at Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Uh, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll chit-chat soon. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air.
0: Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM
1: 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz.
2: And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7.
1: I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. One in ten of the world's 7.5 billion inhabitants is obese At the same time the number of people who are starving Or malnourished is on the, the rise Kind of interesting When you put the two side by side right We're eating more Processed caloric foods uh, They're available to people more so than at any other Point in history um, I'm not going to get into Preaching or anything along those lines Because lord knows I've had my Fair share of unhealthy food But down the road, it's going to be a big issue as investing. It's important to keep in mind that obesity is a complex issue that's influenced by things outside our control, sometimes genetics. But if you're looking to lose weight via behavioral change, experts recommend focusing on long-term sustainable new habits. And uh, you'll see that's why one of the winners and the biggest loser, they shed a lot of pounds in 10 weeks, and then they start slowing down, and then they put it all back on. Get Um, in my belly! pharmaceutical companies, the Merck's, the Pfizer's, the Lilly's, they're going to make billions on this. Biotech companies are going to make billions on this. Uh, Hospitals are going to make billions on this. So you have to jump into the healthcare sector as an investor, in my opinion. Uh, Doing not is kind of an ignorance on your end, because it's... Kind of like uh, in the 60s and 70s when people were smoking like chimneys in the U.S., going out and buying cigarette companies made you a lot of money. You know people are going to do it. You know people are going to be obese. You know when you're obese, um, it causes complications. I've carried extra weight on my body for big portions of my life, and it's, it takes its toll. So earlier you know, arthritis, things like that, um, are very much so for real. 800-516-1220. So, sometimes when you can't beat them, join them. Um, just saying, you know, I think that might be an idea that you may want to jump in on as far as an investor. Again, healthcare. There's a really good healthcare fund. It's the Vanguard Healthcare Fund. And uh, it's outperformed the market pretty consistently over the last 20 years. Something like 17 out of 20 years. And uh, that's a winner, in my opinion. So... Throw that out there. Do a little bit of homework. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, We live in the day and age of a lot of cameras everywhere. And I don't even want to tell you the sick conversation I had recently um, about, you know, how easy would it be to... And then you, you see stories like a man caught on camera dumping dog by side of the road in Dallas. So... Um, pretty crazy to see things like that so pretty sad in the video the man is seen getting out of an infinity sedan roughly dragging the one-year-old mixed breed female out of the car by its leash and pulling to the side of the road the dog still with its leash was found the next day uh by dallas uh, animal services and i throw that out there because this is gonna ruin that guy's life um as if it's probably not already in the gutter already, but remind your kids, (laughs) you know, there's always going to be a camera on you in this day and age. And uh, whether it's being too risque or whether it's being stupid and damaging other people's property or whether it's being real stupid and, you know, being cruel to an animal, um, you don't want your whole life being defined by one moment in my opinion. eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. 516 teacher calls in there. I am happy and lucky that I didn't grow up in the, the cell phone uh, camera age. I, I feel I probably got away with one. Equifax is in the news today saying that they got hacked in March, months before their latest breach. Um, what's interesting is how much people are freaked out by this, and it's, it's no different today than it was weeks ago. You're just now knowing that people are you know onto you per se as far as being hacked um i would not use services like lifelock lifelock is owned by equifax and that just goes to show you how insane it is and this brings up another question i got an email yesterday from someone who asked should i use Susie orman's estate planning kit and will maker um, instead of spending big money with a lawyer and the answer is no You shouldn't. You know, if you Google estate planning well, that's what Susie Orman essentially is offering. Um, It's not going to get to know you. It's not going to get to know your family. It's not going to get to know your circumstances. It's not going to get to know your health. It's not going to get to know that you have painful arthritis. And one day you may pull out a gun and just end it for yourself because you're in too much pain. So be very, very cautious looking for the cheap solution, whether it be with a lawyer. Um, A lot of the lawyer fees out there just aren't comprehensive enough. And again, would you defend yourself in court if you were charged with murder or attempted murder uh, with a Google search? Uh, Susie Orman does the same thing with um, credit repair kits, how to improve your credit. If you go Google how to improve your credit, you have the freaking fracking answer. Um, there's There's no magic in it. Uh, now, again, you probably want to find a reputable website like a bankrate.com or someone like that to learn how to improve your credit versus uh, a Sam and Joe's, you know, credit repair, quickie fly-by-night company. But you're smart enough to figure that out. I think you are. Give me some credit for assuming you're smarter than uh, the average Joe. But be careful looking for those quickie solutions. So, again, uh you could do it a little bit too easily in some of the financial situations that you probably don't want to do it in, in my opinion. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty 1220 to get your calls on the air. Ray Dalio is calling Bitcoin a bubble. Last week, there was a lot of, you know, very wealthy people coming out and saying ah, Bitcoin is a speculative bubble. There's been a lot of academics saying Bitcoin is a speculative bubble. And for me, I just don't want to play that game. I don't know if you're with me or if you're against me on this one, but I don't want to play that game. It's a civil war. Who won the civil war in the North or the South? Some people would say no one. That it was Brothers Killing Brothers. Okay, I'm not going to get into politics. <laughs> I'm not going to get into civil war history lessons or anything like that. But I'm saying it's a battle that I don't want to be involved in. No thank you. So uh, throw that out there as far as thoughts... Uh, Will Bitcoin go to 500000 It may. I don't know. Will it go to zero? It may. I don't know. I don't like that it's hackable. And I don't like that basically the number one use for Bitcoin right now is on the shady side of, of crime. Oil market's been awash and crude for more than three years. And OPEC has struggled to accelerate the Rebalancing Act. Today, you're seeing the IEA say oil price spike is coming in 2020. So if you want to buy cheap and you believe in the IEA, now is the time to do it. Ultimately, the halving, uh, cutting in half the price of oil from $100 a barrel before 2014 to $50 a barrel today, has led to the corresponding plunge in upstream investments. Um, And because that demand continues to rise, the IEA just upgraded its demand growth estimates for 2017 by an extra 1.6 million barrels. And they're saying by the year 2020, look for oil to be back uh, into a spiky kind of area. So... I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Twitter, Rob Black Show, and YouTube, Rob Black Show.
0: Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter.
1: His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show and trying to educate yourself a little bit more about some of the financial information that hopefully can get you to retirement. Um, joining me now, Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com, as he always does on Tuesdays at this time. How are you, Mr. O'Hare?
3: Hey, Robin, doing well. Good to be back with you.
1: So um, I saw a financial quiz, and I won't tease you with uh, the questions and answers on the financial quiz, but it was things like if you purchase a bond and interest rates rise, what will happen to the price of the bond? And needless to say, most Americans just completely failed this test. Um, That's one of the things that I dig about what you do is that you're kind of making financial information a little bit of a bridge to the average person and to the savvy people. Briefing.com is pretty robust as far as the information that it has, uh, but it's also not intimidating. Um, What's your thoughts on financial education? You're a family man, so you can... Throw that in there. You're a, a businessman, so you can see other people starting the workforce right next to you. Some of the millennials, per se. Um, what's your thoughts on the state of financial education in the United States?
3: Um, that it could be better,
1: <laughs> perhaps. <Okay.
3: laughs> That's so, fair. I mean, when, when uh, you also see, you know, reports about, you know, how much you know, most Americans have in their savings accounts these days. Um, you know, part of that is, is you know, an unfortunate circumstance but um, but you know essentially impressing upon people the need to have an emergency fund you know that they can tap into um, you know when unforeseen things arise you know that's just you know one element uh, that I think people tend to forget but also the you know other aspect of, of carrying uh, you know excessive credit card debt where you're just constantly paying high finance charges and never really paying down the principal of that. And, you know, I think uh, those are the types of things, you know, you have to start early because it can be a slippery slope for a lot of um, people who are not fully informed about those risks.
1: (laughs) I think a lot of people would rather talk the birds and the bees with their kids than talk finances with their kids. And that's just odd. And people like you and I, we've got this like magic trick where once people learn that we're in finance, they kind of warm up to us and they're like, can I ask you a question? I can't tell you how many times at the gym people are like, can I ask you a question? What do you think about the Federal Reserve? And um, it's cute. But anyway, back to what you and I do uh, on a daily basis. Uh, You write the page one article every morning for briefing.com. It's where I start my research. Uh, You bring up the Federal Reserve meeting on Wednesday being a biggie. Um, What are your thoughts on the Federal Reserve? And do you think it has uh, potential to change the market from a bull market to... Maybe something else, or do you think it's uh, a little overvalued at this point, a little over uh, hyped at this point?
3: Yeah, well, this—I mean, this particular meeting, uh, I don't think is going to, you know, upset the bull market dynamic. Um, But I think there are still a lot of people that are are waiting anxiously to you know hear what the Fed says. Says not so much as it relates to uh, the interest rate decision that that tomorrow's meeting. uh, The market fully expects that there will be no. Change in interest rates. Um, you know, everyone's waiting to hear if the Fed is going to you know, announce the uh, start of their balance sheet normalization process, uh, and they're also going to be paying close attention to what the so-called dot plot is implying about the future uh, policy rate path. Um, and that is that's where I think the real focal point will be. Though, is you know, what is the Fed projecting for uh, future rate increases? You know, uh, might it take down its uh, its a target for what it sees as a a neutral rate, um, and if you see that neutral rate come down, uh, I think if anything, <clears throat> it could help prolong this bull market because the <clears throat> excuse me the persistence of low interest rates has been. You know, an essential driver of of this market activity, where you see a, a propensity to continue to buy on dips, uh, you see a propensity to continue to rationalize lofty valuations, uh, and it's all predicated on this persistence of low interest rates. So, if the Fed is going to be dialing back its, you know, its its uh, expectation for what that neutral rate ultimately is, um, then the market could ultimately take some comfort in that uh, and continue on its way.
1: So let's shift back to the realities of the market and and not necessarily the Federal Reserve and their impact on the market because they're kind of the financial engineers, the higher rates, lower rates. Uh, What do you feel about the fundamentals, the corporate America, the uh, the average Joe going to work nine to five? Where are we at economically speaking as a nation?
3: Well, it is kind of a it is a source of debate. You know, the uh, what you see in terms of what the unemployment rate is, you would you would think that uh, everything's great. Right, four point three percent unemployment rate, um, but at the same time, um, you're not seeing much growth in average hourly earnings, and so that's somewhat perplexing there. And you need that growth in uh, income, if you will, to help drive stronger levels of consumer spending, which will ultimately drive stronger levels of economic activity. Starting to see things pick up a little bit, uh, but certainly not uh, commensurate with what we're seeing in terms of where the unemployment rate is today. Um, so. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, the fundamental backdrop of things here, though, you know, a strengthening labor market is is a good thing. Um, low inflation is a good thing. Uh, corporate earnings growing. Is a good thing. Uh, corporations that have a ton of cash on their balance sheet—that's uh, uh, a good thing because it's, you know, it's money that is idle right now, but can be used for reinvestment, ideally in, you know, equipment and software that helps drive stronger levels of business activity. Uh, that's been held back in recent years uh, because there's been so much uncertainty about the political climate, uh, what's going to happen with fiscal policy. So, um, so fundamentals though are. are are okay, you know. They're okay to improving, I think, and, and that's a, a positive consideration here. Which is why, if you can continue to have this persistence of low interest rates uh, that, that coincides with low inflation uh, and continued earnings growth, then the whole market, you know, will find a rationale, I think, to continue to uh, to continue. Um, you know, even though you have historically high valuations, but uh, those, like I said earlier, those high valuations continue to be. Rationalized by the persistence of low interest rates. Um, so it will be when that dynamic changes, if interest rates are going up and going up quickly or, or if inflation is rising and rising quickly, which will, of course, necessitate higher interest rates from the Federal Reserve, that's when the dynamic will change for the bull market.
1: What are you working on right now? Because I know you have a big picture column that comes out at the end of the week, and I think they're always insightful. Um, a much longer read, and again, not, not a book, not a novella, uh, but a good read, and it really gives a good you know, uh, digestible, uh, big old set of nuggets on uh, the market and your market views, and taking a look at you know, inflation sometimes, and yields at other times, and taxes, and I always like when your stuff comes out on Friday, because I get excited by it.
3: Well, thank you, first of all. And secondly, sure. um, I think, you know, in all likelihood, where uh, this week's big picture will be going will be determined by, you know, what we hear tomorrow from the Federal Reserve. Um, it's hard. Okay. You really can't overlook <laughs> that, uh, that meeting and, and its big picture implications. So give me some perspective on that. Uh, and with every weekly update to the big picture, it's basically a stepping stone to a, you know, a market view update that I provide on a quarterly basis. Uh, and I just uh, updated our market view last week, Find um, uh, that we're still somewhat cautious-minded as it relates to the market outlook, just given where we are with valuation, but ultimately uh, pointing out that the, the structure there for a continuation of this bull market remains intact with low interest rates, low volatility, low inflation, continued earnings growth, and, of course, you have this promise of tax reform that continues to hang on the near horizon. So, um, So those are all good things, and so we just keep, you know, measuring things from week to week in terms of how the uh, the chessboard is changing, if you will, and, and certainly the Fed is a, is a key player on that chessboard. And so, we'll uh, we'll take stock of that after the meeting.
1: Without being um, challenging, you've always kind of had a ch- uh, a cautious outlook. There's always a wall of worry out there. Sometimes it's the market succeeding in a high oil environment or a high inflation environment or a new presidency. Is there something to be said for cautiously smart, um, kind of blending two words that don't necessarily work together on their own, but they kind of make sense in the world of investing?
3: Well, yes, because, you know, and, and I think one has to also understand that, you know, everyone's risk tolerances are different. Uh, so when right. I provide a market view update, it's it's written with a very general framework. So as if it might be a, say, the investor who's thinking about uh, putting new money to work in an index fund um, on a shorter term basis. And right? I think we, uh, you know, have enough history on our side, plenty of data that suggests that the stock market is a great wealth creator over the long term. So a lot depends on where you are with your risk tolerance and where your timing is for cash needs and perhaps needing to sell stock to raise cash in whatever circumstance might, might call for it. So, um, so being cautious minded here, I think we, you know, we know, uh, having been through the dot com bubble and through the financial crisis, um, that, uh, you can't ignore valuation forever. I mean, it ultimately is going to matter, uh, and it could matter quickly and abruptly. Uh, if, you see, uh, if you see things that are going to disrupt that bull market mindset, namely a spike in interest rates. Right? So you have to be mindful of that, um, and especially because you're starting a high, a high starting point of valuation, you must accept the, the reality that you're likely looking at lower longer term returns because of it. So uh, it, takes, uh, it makes sense to be prudent year, certainly after we've had such a tremendous run where a lot of very easy money has already been made, uh, and now I think uh, you get into the point of trying to assess what the risk-reward potential is here over the short term, uh, and given that you're starting with that high valuation, it seems as if there's greater risk than reward uh, in, the, in the near term.
1: <laughs> Thanks for your help. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. A source of good, independent information, both globally and domestically. You can find out more at briefing.com. He starts at the page one. There's analysts who cover technicals, the story stocks, the IPOs, the daily analysis. You can punch in a ticker symbol like Apple and uh, see the last 90 days of research that's come out. Not all research. It's not that comprehensive. It can't be because there's too many research houses out there. But you can find out more information at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Just so you know, if you got a iPhone SE 5S, 6, 6S, 6S Plus, 7, or 7 Plus, you can get the brand new iOS 11 as of today. Notice that it doesn't go all the way back to the 4s and situations along those lines. Um, in large part, worthy of note that... Um, Apple makes you upgrade. Their software stops working with older phones. So downloads are available today. Um, I have the software. I've had it for about three or four months as a beta, and uh, it's pretty good. I like some of the changes in the control panel and photos enormously. Uh, you can find out more by figuring out your own Apple phone, blah, 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 blah blah uh, Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. He does a show from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. here on Tuesdays and Wednesdays on wealth. Today, he talked a little bit about taking his kid for college tours. Um, interesting to note how expensive college is and how inflation on college is jumping at about 8% per year. It's expensive. Chad? Chad
2: Burton, certified financial planner. So, last Thursday and Friday, I did one of... Well, four more to go. College visits with my soon-to-be 18-year-old son. He's a high school senior. I feel like we're a little bit behind on this because we were going to visit a couple over summer session, but just weren't able to find the right times to do that. But we went to Texas Tech. So my son does want to be in my business. He l- loves investing, loves the idea of financial planning. Um, so several schools now have a personal financial planning degree. It's an actual degree now. I took finance at Portland State and honestly did really nothing for me in this business. While I was at Portland State, I did all the certified financial planner coursework and that was huge. It was intense, hardcore training on taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning. Hardest test I ever took. So of all my college finals, the CFP exam was tougher than anything. 55% national pass rate on the first try. Um, so here's some of the things you do when you're when you're going to colleges to visit them. You know, find out what the freshman retention rate is. Find out what the six year graduation rate is. Will you have to fight for the major that you want, or is it pretty outlined pretty well and it flows and you can get classes? Because a lot of colleges in the UC system, you're going for five years if you want a major, uh, it, it, because you're fighting for your classes. So you have to realize that because it could be an extra year of cost as a parent how does the Career Center help kids prepare? Who are the top 10 companies hiring graduates in your major? Um, Basically, also what uh, Lisa Steele, a college advisor that I've had on the air before, was saying, make sure that the kid joins three clubs and then drops one of them. Um, After they go through it and they say, okay, pick two clubs. Because if you are in two clubs and maybe a fraternity or something else, you don't have as much pressure to constantly do something social every night if you're only in one club. Because if that club is doing something on a night where you really have to study and your other club is doing something the next night when you don't, it's a little bit easier. The kid has to really be able to picture themselves at that campus for four years and be okay with it. For example, Texas Tech, the campus is beautiful, amazing, it's huge, we're second, second or third largest in the nation. But my God is Lubbock, Texas, boring as can be. And there's just nothing to do there. So that's what we were struggling with. So we were trying to find students through the personal financial planning program to talk to that had come to Texas Tech. They don't live in Texas. Most of the kids did live in Texas. So we talked to a kid from Idaho and a kid from Seattle that transferred there. And they're like, you know, once you get here, you get plugged into the different groups and your life is pretty much the campus and the school. And they, they don't even notice being gone from home because they're there to finish. We also learned by talking to the actual director of the program that he's in that here's how you get scholarship money. And by the way, if they qualify for just $1,000 a year scholarship money, they get in-state tuition immediately. That's going to save me like $12,000 a year. Um, so going to the school and actually talking to the directors of the program that you want to be in setting an appointment with them is very, very key. Now, look, if your kid's going to go to college next year, their essay, their personal essay that they need to write with submit with their applications should be done by now and being edited by somebody. If you need a a referral to somebody that kind of helps with that, shoot me an email, chat at chadburton.com. Um, very, very important to get that done right away this is an area where I feel like we 're behind quite a bit. Luckily, my son is a really good writer so i 'm not too worried about that but we 've got three more visits to cram in before applications start to go out. Um, investing for college I mentioned this a little bit last week, but five twenty nine plans are kind of the main way to save for college in the future because it 's you can put money into a five twenty nine plan it grows tax f- deferred and tax free as long as it 's used for uh, tuition, books, room, and board for college. Um, it becomes usually more conservative as the child ages. So if your kid's past 14, I wouldn't even bother. It's too late. Pay down your mortgage, sock money away into a Roth IRA, and hope you qualify for financial aid, which by the way, if your kid's a senior, that, that application's coming up real soon. Um, and so before you start saving money, Speaking of that, if you think you have any hopes of financial aid at all, and you can go to collegeboard.com, Saving for College. There's lots of different websites that I've mentioned in the past you can go to. Um, If you start saving money outside of your retirement account, you could actually mess up the ability to get financial aid. So you have to be careful. That's why, fine, if your kid's younger... Start socking money away into a 529 plan after you've maxed your 401k and maxed out your Roth IRA. It's very important you stuff money away in your retirement accounts that grow either tax-deferred or tax-free for yourself, where they don't count for college, rather than giving up your retirement and saving for college. look, People can work their way for college. I know it's expensive, but especially if kids are younger these days, college is going to change. The costs are outrageous.
1: The costs to send your kid to college at this point in time are high enough that you really need to be cautious on your priorities. And your number one priority should be saving for retirement. I know that sounds crazy. I've got a baby. He's beautiful. But your number one should be what you do from age 60 to 100. You can always send your kid to college slowly. They can do community college. They can do some great community college and kind of grow up and kind of learn what the whole game's about in the first place. No shame in that. Um, 800-516-1220 to your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black. You were just listening to CFP Chad Burton. He's on both um, Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Find him at newfocusfinancial.com.